listening to the Modesty Awkward Podcast with your host, Francis Armin. Take a seat and enjoy listening to different life experiences, testimonies, and learning to live a life pleasing to Jesus Christ. Now here's your host. Welcome, everyone. For those who are tuning in, this is Francis Armand, your host from Modestly Awkward Podcast. And today you will be entering into my world. Um, we're still in the Covenant series. This is our second episode in this series. And today we have another special guest, and she's dear to my heart. I've worked with her for about is it 11 years? years. 11 years. Oh my God. 11 years. She's more than a client. She's a friend. She's a sister. I introduced to everyone, Brandis Daniel. Welcome, Brandis. I'm so excited to be here, Francis. (laughs) Oh my goodness. This is going to be like a coffee shop conversation because Brandis and I talk about the goodness of the Lord pretty much every time we speak. So this is going to be really good. I'm really excited to have you. For those who are listening that are not into the fashion world, Brandis, talk, tell everybody about yourself. What do you do? I mean, you do so many things, but Brandis, I represent her and her organization called Holland's Fashion Row that promotes and educate designers of color. And it's been going strong for the past 13 years. So Brandis, talk about it. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm so excited. First of all, Francis, you know, I feel like I am so blessed and that I don't know, I won the lottery by having you as my publicist <laughs> because you have been such a gift on this journey. Um Harlem's Fashion Row is our our main goal is how do we help designers of color grow their brands? And so we do that in a few different ways. We partner designers with brands for collaborations. We also um, mentor brands. And that can be through a membership that we have, as well as through programs that we do with other brands like A Stitch Fix. And then we also help to promote them, provide a platform for them so that people get to actually see who they are. And so we do that by doing events and creating opportunities for press to actually cover these designers. And so it's been 13 years and it's been yeah. one of the most amazing journeys of my life. Yes, and we've definitely seen God's hand in this. So this is why I wanted to just bring you on so people can just hear your testimony and see another side of Brandis Daniel. Because we always, when we look at Brandis Daniel, we see just the work that she's done, but no one really knows that she has a prayer life, you know, and she really takes her faith very seriously. So this episode is about the blessing. Now, when we look at covenant, God God always promised his people, like, if you follow my commandments, this and this and this would happen. My pastor used to always read my late pastor, Deuteronomy 28. And that's where we get the blessing plan. Because here, verses 1 through 14, God lays out the blessings that he would give to his people if they just believed and obeyed his commandments. And you see the same thing in the New Testament as well, where I believe I think it's in the book of John when Jesus says, if you love me, you will obey my command. So we had a conversation because during this pandemic, I remember early May when we were talking, 
you know, you, you were trying to figure out what can you do to help the designers? Like it was a burden. It was a passion. And then you said, you shared with me, Francis, God gave me a plan. And you were like, are you on board? And I was just like, of course, of course I'm on board, you know? And I knew, and I knew at that time, like, I'm like, okay, God gave you a plan, but I'm looking at what's going on in this world. And I'm like, Lord, I don't know what's going on, but if you're speaking, I'm going to follow. So it's all about obedience. So talk, talk to us a little bit about that and um, that whole process. Oh, you see, I'm tearing up. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so let's see. I went, so when the pandemic hit, I went to Memphis and that's where I'm from. And I spent that time we had last year was a really, really tough time. So I got to set it up for last year because last year was so tough. And you remember the day before the event, we didn't know how we were going to pay for the event. I was sitting in the bank the day before the event for six hours, right? Yeah. And so that event, though, made me go, okay, for 2020, we will not be in this situation again. We're going to raise more sponsorship money than we've ever raised before. We're going to have all our money up front. We're going to understand our cash flow. We're going to make sure that everything is set. And so this year, we walked into 2020 with probably more sponsorship than we had ever had before in a previous year. And so we felt great. We've got these brands on board. Let's go. We got a cash flow plan. Like, And then the pandemic hit. And so when the pandemic hit, we had, I think there was like six events that we had committed to with these sponsors in exchange for... You know, of course, you know, it's sponsorship dollars that come with that and all those things. And so I was really trying to figure out, like, what am I going to do for the rest of the year? Because the majority of our revenue for 2020 was coming from these events and I was getting nothing. I think I must have spent, I don't know, I spent most of my days walking. My sister said, are you going to do anything besides walk? <laughs> Because I didn't know what else to do. I, I, it, it wasn't like, you know, I was on calls with brands or I was, you know, planning for an event because everything has stopped to a halt. And I was really afraid to get on a call with the brand because I didn't want them to say, all right, we got to cancel everything. Yeah. And so I was really kind of avoiding getting on the calls with them. And then I'm walking one day and I still don't know what I'm doing for the rest of the year. And I was listening to this series called Crazy Faith by Pastor Mike Todd at Transformation Church. And that series is like, I think it's like, I don't know, it's like 20 messages in a series. So because I was walking so much, every time I walk, I listened to this series and I was walking one day and it was like, you know, you're going to start a nonprofit. I knew that I heard God say, you're going to start a nonprofit. You're going to do an event to launch this nonprofit. And the nonprofit is going to raise a million dollars. And this is how you're going to help designers. And so there are times where I'm very like, I'm not sure if this is what God is saying, but I'm just going to kind of move and hopefully it all works out. Right. That's probably 90% of the time for me is like, God, if this is not what I'm supposed to do, show me because I'm headed, I'm headed, I'm headed this way. (laughs) So. Because I also believe that God didn't create us to be robots. Like he doesn't say, now turn left, now turn right, now turn this way. You know, he gives us a level of free will. Yeah. But this time I knew it. And 
it scared me because I had never done a virtual event before. And also the idea of raising a million dollars felt so far-fetched, but it was so clear. So I went home. I tried to like let up my parents' garage. The garage wouldn't let up. I'm like, what is this about? Garage been letting up ever since I've been home. I never had any problem with the garage. And something said, just go back to the back deck and just, you need to park this somewhere. Because if you don't park what God just gave you somewhere, you're not going to do it. So I parked it. So I sent my best friend a text. said, hey, I think I just heard from God. This is what it is. I'm going to start a nonprofit. It's going to benefit designers of color. I still have the, I sent that text on April 4th. It's going to benefit designers of color. And I'm going to do an event to launch it. And I think I said, you know, oh, and I'm going to raise a million dollars. It's all in a text message that I sent her. So my best friend, which is so important that you have great people around you, text me back. This sounds amazing. I'm so excited about it. Like, I can't remember what she said. This is awesome. Yes, let's go. Let's do it. Right. So then I just spent like two weeks trying to figure out, well, how and like, what does this look like? And while I was trying to figure out, like, how do you do a virtual event? What platform you do it on? I got an email from someone who said, hey, just checking in to see if you need anything digitally from a digital perspective. And I was like, yeah, I'm planning on doing this virtual event to launch a nonprofit. And I don't even have the first clue as to what platform to do it on. Mm-hmm. No lie. She and I are both researching platforms. We had talked at, at this point a few times. We were looking at different platforms. I was sending her things. Then we found this one platform and I was chatting with the guy and the guy goes, I'm on the phone with someone from your company. So she had called the same company that I was chatting with. Oh, wow. And, and from there it was, you know, I got to pull together a team and I can't pay anybody. Like I can't tell so the reason why I was like, are you on board? Cause Francis, I can't pay you a penny. So are you going to do this? And that event ended up being, honestly, it literally opened the pathway to what has happened, the balance of the year, which was um, a $25,000 donation that came in after that. We also raised $15,000 at the event because a thousand people attended the event, which at the time I didn't think was a big deal, but now I understand that's a really big deal. It is. It is. We had... We rate, then I got a phone call from someone because, because after the event, I was saying, okay, but where's my million dollars? Like I was thinking, okay, ticket sale, tickets are $22. I need 30. I forget how many I had calculated how many people I needed to get the million dollars. Cause I was like, I know that's what I got. It was, I'm going to get a million dollars. Where is it coming from? And then I get a phone call out the blue one day and it's like, Hey, Brandis, how are you checking in? I was like, okay. And we talked for a little while and he goes, you know, basically by the end of the phone call, I want to give exactly what he says because I don't want to, you know, but basically I end up getting a million dollar donation from that phone call. And I was like, wow. And that's, <laughs> and that's what God, that's what God told you. And yeah. Well, for those that are listening, if you're actually following the timeline, April and May, right? The pandemic just hit and so many people were not working. We're trying to figure out where their next check was going to be. And God told Brandon that she's going to get a million dollars to, to help designers in need. So like this testimony alone is like mind blowing because, and this is what, this is what the blessing plan is about. It's, it's about obedience. 
when Brandis heard the voice of God, she could have been like, this is no way this is going to happen. Like, I'm just going to, and some people do that. Some people do that because they look at their circumstances and they'll say, there's no way this is going to happen. But you relied on your faith and was like, God, if this is what you're telling me, I'm going to trust you. And he opened all the doors. Like, you know, look at that. You were looking for someone to help you digitally. The Lord sent someone. And I mean, as a publicist, I've worked with you for so many years, even though when you were like a million dollars, I was like, where's she going to get a million dollars? Where's she, where's she going to get a million dollars? <laughs> Isn't she watching the news? <laughs> I was like, is she watching the same news? I was like, maybe in Memphis, they're not showing what they're showing in New York. But, but because you are a woman of faith and I've seen how you've, you've prayed, like you have prayed and it's not only about prayer, but obedience when it comes to obedience and following God, it's more than just having a prayer life conviction. It's also how you treat others because one of the commandments is to love thy neighbor. Even the 10 commandments is all about how you treat others. And, and I see that, I see that with you, Brandis, you, you pay attention to people's needs. Even like when my grandmother passed away, you know, and I'm, I'm an introvert. So I, I tend to keep things to myself and I'm like, I'll figure it out. You called, you reached out and was like, no, Franny, get out of the house. Let's go out to lunch. And you know, and that meant a lot. So it's just like, that's, that's all, that's, that's all God asks from us. You know, people think the having a Christian walk is difficult. Yes, we go through trials and tribulations, but he promised that he would never leave us. He would never forsake us as long as we are in fellowship with him. And what, what kind of stuff do you do? Like, I know you have a prayer circle. I'm giving out all the deep. You have a prayer circle. But how important is your faith when it comes to just family and business? Yeah, I see people. Ha- I have to also go back because my dad is like, and my mom are like crazy faith warriors. Yeah. So I grew up in a family you know, from the beginning, my mom would call me her faith baby. She would say, like, I would be like, we already prayed about that. So why are we praying about that again? <laughs> and I was like little when I was telling her. <laughs> I didn't understand that. What is it? Pray without ceasing. I didn't get that. I was just like, we already prayed about it. Why are we praying about it again? Like, do we believe or not? But I saw my parents step out on faith so many times. Like, I saw my dad quit great jobs to do what he felt like God was calling him to do. I've seen them give up everything where we were literally looking between the sofa cushions for money, for lunch money, because they had, you know, quit their jobs and, you know, were really pursuing what they felt like God was telling them to do. So coming from that type of a family and seeing faith in action every single day. You know, my, we had church in my living room. God was like, my, I was so mad about it. Francis, I was 13 years old. That was the most uncool thing ever for a 13 year old to be having church in the living room. What? But that, you know, my dad's like, God called me to call a church to start a church. And I was like, okay, fine. But I'm thinking we're going to a building. And it's like, oh no, we're in a living room. And I have to dress up and put on pantyhose and he in shoes to go into my living room. Oh, and that the- was, because yes, I had it's to, not cold. It's not that cold in Memphis. I had to put on, because pantyhose was like a must. You put on a dress, you put on pantyhose too. 
And I'm laughing in my head because we got to a place where like we, our pantyhose would have like four holes in them. We'd be like, what difference does it make? <laughs> Just go into the living room. <laughs> but, when, but when you see that type of, of faith in action, then it's like you cannot you can't go and then just go live like a regular life. That's very difficult to do. And some of the things that I do, my mom growing up, she always had a prayer call every single morning. So we would wake up to, you know, biscuits cooking in the oven and my mom on the phone with her prayer partners every morning. And so when I was about probably, I don't know, I was probably 21 years old and I had moved to Atlanta and one of my friends, Tamara, she was living in Atlanta. We actually met there and I was like, let's start us, let's start prayer calls in the morning. And we started it then. And I mean, girl, we were wild. When I tell you wild, we were still having our prayer calls in the morning. We were so awful. And we were still having our prayer calls in the morning. And those calls continued through my move to Memphis to my move to New York. And we just kept them. And we've kind of had different people come in and out. But she and I have stayed consistent with it. And, you know, we might miss some mornings. But for me, waking up and knowing that, you know, and now Sky hears it. And so in the morning when I'm taking her to school, she's like, Mommy, I want to pray. And I'm like, all right. So it's, it's just it's one of those things that ground me first thing in the morning. So that's one of the practical things that I do every single day. And then when I was listening, I'm listening to the Crazy Faith series again right mm-hmm. now because I got to a place where I was like, okay, now what do I do? And I was like, let me go back and listen to that series again. So I'm going, I'm listening to it again. And one of the things I just heard him say was like, spend 15 minutes a day in the word because, you know, just 15 minutes a day, spend it in a word. Because what I'll do is I'll do like a reading plan or I'll do sporadic things, but spending 15 minutes a day in like one book consistently, it just, it, I don't know, it lands differently. And so that's one of the other things that I've, that I've done. And then I've just surrounded myself by people who, you know, if you're in my life for real and I have you really, really close to me, like, we don't have to be of the same faith, but you're going to respect where I am with my faith walk because it is so ingrained in who I am that, you know, even if you don't like, you're going to get sick of me talking about it. And so, you know, it's what I found though, you know, I have a, I had a new babysitter for Sky, and she's doing some other stuff with me now. But what I found was she was like, you are so open about your faith that it allows other people to open up about what they feel, you Mm -hmm. know? And so I think it's, you know, I don't shove it down anyone's throat, but it's just a part of me. And if you're going to be around me a lot, you're going to, there's no way for you not to know that. Yeah. And, you know, and when I was doing research and looking into the blessing plan, one of the things that I found was that God blessed the nation of Israel so that others can see. That was the whole point of the blessing. It was like, if you in fellowship with me, I'm going to bless you that others can see and inquire and ask mm. and be like, oh, like this is the reason why. And this, and then, and I'm pretty sure you get that because some people were asking like, Brandis, how are you doing this? I mean, someone, and I remember you always said that you were the outsider, mm-hmm. the outsider wow. coming into a, an industry that you didn't have any connections, but 
the Lord gave you a vision to help people. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, and I, and I know you get that people will ask you, like, how did you get to this point? How were, how are you able to continue this for 13 years? Yeah, I had Jonathan Bourne, who I just adore. Mm-hmm. He has, um, you know him, he has a shop on, or had the shop on 125th, but I ran it to him on the street, like Sixth Avenue one time, I remember, and he goes, he said to me something around the fact that, you know, several people had, you know, tried to do what HFR had done before. And he was wanting to know, like, you know, how was it working for me? Like, what was I doing? And why was it work? It seemed like it was working for HFR. And I said to him, I was like, it's God. That's the difference. There is no other. I don't have any other secrets. <laughs> I said, there's no other secrets. I said, that's it. And he was like, hmm. And, you know, I've had other people say to me that, you know, Brandis, you had to be the one for this. People who are fashion insiders. And I just, you know, it's before I moved to New York, someone said to me, my sister was having this youth rally in Memphis and someone had walked up to me, a family friend, and she prophesied to me and she said, you're going to go to New York. God is sending you to New York to be a light in the fashion industry. And I was like, I receive it. But I did, I was like, how does that happen? Nobody knows who I am. <laughs> I'm going to New York. Nobody knows who I am. By the way, I don't know anyone who works in fashion. Like, what does that look like? But I was like, okay, I received that. And I think that people can see it. I think people can feel that that it's genuine. I think people can feel that, you know, HFR comes with a lot of love. And that's nothing that you can, you can't fake God's love and light. Like you, you just can't fake it. Like it's, you know, if it's real or not. And I think people can genuinely feel that it's actually real. Yeah. In the word, it says that you would know them by their fruit. And we are definitely seeing the fruits of it. Well, we're about to wrap up. So Brandis, what advice would you give anyone? It doesn't have to be a fashion industry, but anyone who, especially around this time, we're in an election and we don't know the outcome. Hopefully by the time this episode runs, we would know who's going to be the president of the United States. And they are at like a crossroads. What advice would you give? I think you have to be grounded in something that's bigger than the president, something that's bigger than what's happening in this country, something that's bigger than circumstances. Because, you know, no matter what, like, I know who's in control, right? And so, and I've seen God literally bless me and HFR and everyone around me, even everyone like who, everyone who volunteered for that event for mm-hmm. Icon 360, I am seeing what God is doing for every, each one of those people. And they are literally prospering in the middle of a pandemic. And I, I believe that that is possible for everyone. And I just, but it really is not knowing, putting your trust in God and not putting your trust in a system or a country or, you know, a president or an election or, you know, you really, you you really have to be grounded. It's the only way, like, you know, it's, you do what you can do, right? You vote Mm -hmm. and you do your part, but we can't control the outcome. And that's actually with life in general. Like, you know, we can 
do our part in terms of the process, but we can never control the outcome. We never control the outcome. And so that's really where surrender comes in. So I, I feel like I've given you like a whole. No, this is good. <laughs> this is, this is good. And these are the points that when you look at covenant, those are the points that God is asking us to do, to yield, to yield to him, to trust in him, even though we don't know the outcome, but to know that he's in full control. Mm-hmm. So you hit it, hit it with the nail. And I want to thank you so much. So this, for those who are listening, Deuteronomy 28, 1 through 14, if you have a chance, read it. Um, when my pastor brought it to us, it has blessed us. Even though it's in the Old Testament, it's very relevant now because you will see the covenant in the New Testament as well. And we just want to serve him, serve him with all your heart, soul, and mind, and know that Jesus' death was not in vain. It's for us to have life and have it more abundant. Thank you so thank much you. for tuning in. And thank you, Brandis. Oh, how can people find you? You got to share the social media oh, handle. Yes. You can follow me at, at Brandis Daniel. You can go to my website, brandisdaniel.com. Um, you can also follow Harlem's Fashion Row, which is Harlem's with an S at the end, Fashion Row. Um, and then I'm launching something new. You can go follow me at, at Sponsored Event as well if you're interested to know how do you, you know, create brand sponsorships for your event. Yeah, that's, and that's, and for those who are listening who, um, who have podcasts, who are looking to do conferences, definitely tune in and check that out because that can help you tremendously. All right. Until next time, when we continue with the covenant theory. God Thank bless. you, Francis. Thank you, Brandon.